Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. I grew up in a pretty wellnessy household. My grandmother only ate organic, and she was very ahead of her time. You know, I grew up on almond butter and sardines, and that world was very familiar to me. Welcome to Being Home with Hunker, a podcast where we explore the idea of home, not just as a place where you live, but as an expression of your identity. I'm your host, Lori Gunning-Grossman, Editorial Director at Hunker. Today on the show, we have Trinity Musen-Wolford, founder of Gold, a superfoods wellness company. If you're into turmeric or matcha lattes, chances are you've tried one of Gold's drinks. In this episode, Trinity shares how wellness was important to both her mother and grandmother. She grew up on almond butter and sardines, she says. So it was no surprise when she found herself interested in exploring the intersection of wellness with natural beauty, which led to creating Gold with her partner Issei. As a two-person team, they launched with just one product out of their one-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn. And as their company has grown, so has their space. They've since moved to a home in upstate New York. We talk about the 1965 house she and Issei recently bought in Hudson Valley, their process in decorating their home, and how gardening is a point of inspiration for Trinity, teaching her about tenacity and perseverance, and how she applies these learnings in other areas of her life. You're going to love this conversation. So, let's welcome our guest, Trinity Musen-Wilford. It's so nice to meet you. Yeah, likewise. You are on the East Coast. Are you in Hudson Valley as we speak? Yeah, I am. So, I'm from upstate New York, then went to college in the city and stayed there for a long time. And then pandemic hit and went back to stay with family and then finally got our own place up here. So it's been a fun little journey. <laughs> How is Hudson Valley? I've never been and it always 
seem so picturesque and beautiful there from photos or from things that I read about it. How is it? It is. Um, there are always deer in the backyard. We're surrounded by farmland. It's definitely a very, very lovely, picturesque place. So you guys just bought a house this past year. Is that right? Yes. Officially a homeowner, um, which is like the worst process you can go through as an entrepreneur. <laughs> but got a mortgage, got a house. Really excited. I think you can see the like paint samples behind me there. Oh, yeah. Yes. I do see that. Yeah. <laughs> So is it hard as an entrepreneur because of financing? Because Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're in a situation where you don't need a mortgage, then it's fine. But um, getting approved for a mortgage as a self-employed person is remarkably difficult. If you are a business owner and you're applying for a mortgage, they don't just want your personal info. They want to go through like your profit and loss statements of like your company, like they comb through everything. So it's like, it's, you're under such a microscope. It's kind of like closing a fundraising round, but like, they're also looking at your personal finances at the same time. (laughs) But you did it. Yes, we did it. So (laughs) just feeling really good about that. (laughs) It's so nice. Now the we that we speak of you and your husband or fiance? Fiance, we have been engaged for like over two years. We got engaged in late 2019. So we had wedding plans that got changed up a little bit. But I think we're finally getting married this year. So So this is Issei, yes? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he is also a co-founder. Yes. Did I also hear that he's your high school sweetheart as well? Yes, we go way back. This is cuteness. It is very cute. It gets cuter, honestly, Lori. (laughs) It does? Tell me. We went to the same preschool in the same town. And there's a photo of like our preschool class photo. We're both in it. And, you know, the city upstate that we're from is relatively small. And Mm -hmm. so our families kind of knew each other and, you know, remember both of us as babies. And we didn't get really connected until um, our senior year of high school, which is when we started dating. But yeah, we go way back. Okay, that is very cute. And then were you sitting in class together, like chemistry class? You looked over and you were like, wait a second. So we were both in this like very dorky pre-pre-med program for high schoolers who wanted to be doctors. And it was an interesting thing where basically instead of going to your high school and taking your usual English classes, science classes, etc., you would take all of those classes in a separate facility, like through the lens of medicine. Mm. Um, so we took, you know, like anatomy and physiology and we, you know, learned, we like took classes on like phlebotomy and like, it was like, very intensive. And then three days a week, I think it was, you actually did rotations where you were shadowing doctors and nurses and surgeons, whatever, all around the region. But that was how we met. (laughs) Okay, very cute. So then you were on the pre-med track, you went to college for that. Mm -hmm. And then you got off that track. And did you get off the track? Because I heard that your mom has an autoimmune disease and you saw how she was working with functional medicine doctors Yeah, and how that was helping her. Yeah. So when I was a teenager, my mom, who has severe rheumatoid arthritis, switched over to seeing this more holistically minded doctor. So physician, but kind of treating folks through the lens of diet, nutrition, mental well-being, et cetera. 
um, more kind of complementary treatments. And she saw this incredible improvement in her symptoms. And that was actually one of the things that made me go, this is the career I want. I want to be a doctor. And so I went down that path and all was well until I found out from my mom, maybe like my third year of college or so that she had to stop seeing that doctor because she just couldn't afford it anymore. Those types of things are not covered by insurance. And so I had this real moment of trying to understand what exactly it was that I wanted to do in the space of wellness and how this piece of accessibility played into it. And so that's really kind of where my head was at as I was kind of wrapping up my college career, starting to turn my back on this idea of going to med school and trying to figure out what the heck I was going to do instead. So then you had like a a little bit of a a time in marketing until you Mm -hmm. decided to create gold? Yeah, yeah. So I was getting ready to graduate from college. And I mean, I was classic senior, you know, no idea what they're going to do. And I was told, you know, basically, well, you can either go into consulting, or you can go work at a startup. And I pursued both paths. I remember that was the only time I've ever worn like a pantsuit. It was like when I had to go to my consulting interview. Yeah. I had no idea what consulting was. Like, what am I consulting on? Yeah. <laughs> I knew it was like something that like the business school students did and they seemed to like it. Yeah. I also simultaneously was like applying to various like tech startups. And I, I ended up at this startup in New York that was like marketing technology. I got kind of thrown into this world of startups, of marketing, of understanding a little bit of like retail and like what the pain points were that, you know, these like fashion and beauty brands were were trying to solve for. And I really liked it. Mm. I loved that world, but I was definitely still that friend or coworker who was recommending various herbal remedies to you, depending on how you were feeling. So I knew I had to come back to that. So I was kind of like in the marketing world, knew that I was like a wellness junkie and was kind of trying to figure out how to bring those things together. Yeah. Were you a wellness junkie because of what you'd seen your mom go through? Or is this also just your own interest and you would just dig in to find out stuff on your own? Yeah, Lori, I think it was like a few things, honestly. I grew up in a pretty wellnessy household. My grandmother only ate organic and she was very ahead of her time. You know, I grew up on almond butter and sardines and that world was very familiar to me. And I think that as I got older and I became kind of separately interested, not only through my mom's experience, but also just through exploring things that were exciting to me. I was really into like natural beauty and kind of like that intersection with wellness. And I started to kind of find that sweet spot for myself, which was not so much as I like to refer to sort of like crunchy granola stuff that I had grown up with, (laughs) but definitely this kind of exploration of what, you know, a more natural lifestyle can do for you and, and how it can just help you to feel your best. Yeah. Did you live near your grandmother? Yeah, yeah. I, um, for the most part, lived around the corner from her. So lots of memories of time together. Was she ever making her own concoctions? Aside from eating them, was she making like turmeric drinks? Or Yeah, I mean, well, she wasn't quite into, I would say, like the superfood world of experimenting with more of those sorts of things. But the things that she stood by, she stood by and they were just, you know, in her routine. And I mean, I saw the woman eat sardines on ice cream once. She just she just like swore by them. <laughs> Oof, okay. <laughs> 
it's intense stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, she was more kind of like, you've got to take your cod liver oil every single day. And like, so I have those memories, you know, more so I would say than like the superfoods. That was something that I think I really got into. And also, you know, as my mom was going through her health journey, I was learning about as well. So I imagine then with this background of an interest in wellness yeah. and then a little bit of the pre-med and working at a startup and marketing, it seems like the perfect storm for you to create gold. Yeah. And then how did you pick your one product to start with? Uh, well, we started with a turmeric latte blend and there were a few reasons. So first of all, I had seen how impactful turmeric had been for my mom as like an incredible anti-inflammatory and then... Mm. You know, I had started playing around with it. I would go to the farmer's market and there was a stall that like would sell it um, like greenhouse grown, um, the whole root that you could use. And so I would juice it and put it in smoothies. I found it was so great for my skin. It was great for my gut, my immune system. And so there was a lot of good stuff there. And there was a certain amount of familiarity, I would say, within, you know, more kind of like Western culture. But for the most part, people weren't quite thinking about this as like something that would go into their daily routine. So it felt like an opportunity mm -hmm. to share and like educate more on, you know, the incredible history of something like turmeric throughout like Ayurveda and then other um, sort of traditional medicines. And then also, you know, what it can do for folks today. So that was where we got started. We also started with just one product because we had like no resources between us. So it was myself and my partner, Issei. We had like $2,000 in savings that we put into the business. We did the packaging design, the product photography, the manufacturing, the sales strategy, setting up the website, anything you can possibly name. We would like pull in friends who like happened to have like a proper digital camera just so that we could even like get the photos taken. But it was really all us. Yeah. And so I think that limitation was good though, because it forced us to really just start with one thing test it, learn from it, not create excess complexity, you know, before we really started to understand who our customer was. And then did you just figure out as you went along, like how to actually make the blend, how to make the packaging, how to manufacture? I mean, there's a whole process behind this. I mean, it was years in the making. First of all, I would say the period of deciding that we were going to launch gold and it was going to be this product to the day that we launched it was about a year. And then from there, we had a very small launch. You know, we weren't this suddenly overnight success that I think sometimes we get pointed out as being. So in the first year or two, we had time and space to experiment and understand and tweak the packaging and tweak, you know, whatever it was. You know, sometimes I end up in conversations with entrepreneurs who are very focused on having this like big launch moment and having all eyes on them from like day zero I think that that can be good, but I think there is benefit to having space for play and, and not feeling like all that pressure is on you at once and knowing that like those first like hundred or so customers that discover you and try your stuff out, first of all, like at least 15 of them know you personally. And then, you know, they're forgiving. They're excited to support a small business in the earliest stage. They don't expect you to be walking and talking like a multi-million dollar brand. I'm very appreciative of the time that we had to kind of iterate as we went. It sounds like there's a real sweetness to that, to that time. Yeah. Yeah. Trinity, I used two of your products today. 
did you? I did. I had a uh, the matcha turmeric latte, mm-hmm. which I love. And then I've been using your Clean Greens mask. Yes. It's so nice. Is that why you're glowing? I used it today. <laughs> I really think it makes a difference. And my 16-year-old son, he's used it several times, too, and loves it. Yes. That mask is such a fun one because I developed it out of need. I was dealing with these breakouts. Um, the business was around a year old, and I had been moving between upstate and New York, and I think like the pollution and the water changes and, I don't know, stress I really started to break out quite badly and I tried everything for it. I tried natural, I tried unnatural, you know, you kind of just get to that point where you're just like, please. And so it was truly out of desperation that I raided Gold's product development cabinet and started slathering superfood powders on my face. And it was an early version of the Clean Greens face mask really made a difference. And that was where we were kind of like, I think we need to launch some skincare products. (laughs) I'm glad you did. It's really, really good because my skin does feel so clean. Mm -hmm. And there is a little glow going on. So Yeah, I think so. So you've been doing this now for five years, or gold is five years old. Mm -hmm. So what is the spark that keeps you going with your business? What excites you? What part of the business do you love the most? What is that spark for you? Mm, Product, the brand, the customer, the community. I mean, that's the stuff that I love. That's the stuff that, you know, you have to think about like, what's the stuff that you do when you're procrastinating doing the like other stuff that you have to do? Like stuff I hate to do is like the more kind of administrative stuff and like the paperwork Mm -hmm. of like, oh, you know, we got to file this, got to do this, got to check with legal. And I notice sometimes if I need to do those things, I'll be like, daydreaming about like a future product initiative or like how we should be talking about um, a packaging update. And so that's how you know where you want to be most of the time. And I think having that connection to the customer is, is really important though, because in the early days, we had a little bit of that, but you know, we didn't have that many customers and I didn't know a whole lot about like doing customer surveys or whatever. So a lot of it was coming from me and my experience, like with clean greens, for example, which is great, but you kind of get to a certain point, especially as you grow where you need input from something that's more than just you. And when you have that customer input and you have that touch point, you get a new perspective on why people choose your brand and your product. And also sometimes, you know, in those moments that you're really kind of beating yourself up and you're thinking, man, you know, like this isn't right. This isn't what we want, whatever. And you talk to a customer and they're like, oh my God, this product, this, you know, whatever, like it's so incredible. It's changed my life. I use it every day. That's what gets you through the days that feel really tough. Yeah. So I think seeing the company grow and having that touch point with the customer is, is really, really important. Yeah, I, I totally hear that. And it's such a personal thing because you are providing products mm-hmm. that people are bringing into their homes, yeah. putting into their bodies or mm-hmm. on their bodies. Yeah. It's a very intimate, personal thing. Yeah. Do you run your business out of your home? Yeah. So good thing you bought this home. Yes. A bigger space, right, than the one bedroom? Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, we, you know, we ran gold from our apartment in Brooklyn, and then we ran gold from my mom's house while we were living there during mm-hmm. the throes of the pandemic. Yeah. That got a little tight. Uh-huh. And now we're running gold from our house upstate. So it feels like a good kind of happy medium. We can get down to the city where like most of the team is based, but there's kind of like our own space here. So so you've posted a couple pics of your space on oh, Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> Right? I've seen a couple just from Instagram. The house looks so cool. So how would you describe the house? How old is it? Uh, I think it's 1865. Oh, my god! It's a Queen Anne Victorian. I really wanted a Victorian home because I grew up in Victorian homes. Saratoga, the, the town that I'm from, is like a Victorian era town. So anyone who grew up there probably lived in a a home of that era. And so I knew that was what I wanted and, you know, wanted something with character, but not so old that it was like, you know, once you go down to the Hudson Valley, what's interesting is even older homes than that. You have like 1700s era homes. So I think we found this kind of happy medium. And and what I also love about it is, you know, we were coming from living in like these apartments in like Brooklyn brownstones, which also are of that kind of like mid 1800s era. And so even just like some of the little details in the house, like the pocket doors or whatever really reminded me of our last apartment that I love so much and was so, so devastated to leave. So it feels, even though we're in a new town and in a new place, it does feel like home. It feels really natural right off the bat. Is that something that you enjoy or that's an interest to you, the design and the details in home decor? Because like, say when I look at your packaging (laughs) and your website, I love the design. You know, there's great intention behind it. When it comes to your home, is that something that's of interest to you as well? My answer is a yes, but. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Yes. But But. (laughs) I do find that my ethos here is a little bit different from my partner's. My partner is willing to vintage hunt for something for six months. And I'm like, we need a table. I just find a table, put the table in there. We can get the right table later. Yeah. You know, I'm a little bit more like, let's just turn this into somewhat practical space first and foremost. Yeah. Like, you know, it's your home. I think there's nothing more important than that. And feeling comfortable there, feeling like it's a place that you want to share with loved ones. So lots of work ahead, lots of painting to be done, lots of still so much furniture to buy. You know, it's been so great to have the extra space, but I'm used to living in like 600 square feet. Now we have a house, yeah, <laughs> more than one bathroom. Yeah. There's so much to furnish and, and clean. So it's exciting, but I'm kind of focusing on taking our time through the process and trying not to like rush, you know, getting everything there. Are you guys DIYing anything? Mostly my partner, Issei, is doing DIY. I'm like creative directing the DIY and he's actioning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. We have butcher block countertops that had been kind of abused. Um, So we refinished those. They're looking really great. He just painted one of the bathrooms upstairs. I think we're going to hire a pro for the rest of it, though, to be honest. And, Mm. you know, like trying to find the little things like that, like, oh, can we like put up the tile backsplash ourselves? you know, changing out lighting fixtures. If it's something more significant than that, I think there's a benefit to hiring a pro and not potentially doing damage. But where we can, trying to learn a little bit and have fun. Yes, love it. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So thinking about work and life, what inspires you? Something that I've gotten really into in the past year-ish has been gardening. I always had like kind of like a little bit of a love for it, but I, I don't know, the pandemic, like stuck at home, I got deep into it. I've found that it's such a, it's both an outlet for something that has nothing to do with work, but it's also a point of inspiration. And as a founder, I feel that I've kind of tried to find these opportunities for learnings around tenacity and you know how to persevere and gardening is is funny because things just go wrong all the time just in in any number of ways and i was reading a book of essays on gardening recently and one of the quotes in there is a michael Pollan book he was saying something along the lines of like having success right off the bat is kind of meaningless But, you know, when you fail, that's when you have those learnings and that's when you actually push forward and you understand. And that felt very much like a metaphor for building a business. So I pull a lot of inspiration from time in the dirt. I think, you know, there's the creative inspiration, of course, of, you know, color, whatever. But I think there's just the inspiration of mindset and like achieving that meditative state and being able to leverage that in your daily work. Yeah, I love that. And getting your hands in in Mother Earth. Mm-hmm. So important. I feel like it's a very specific talent to be able to garden. <laughs> or maybe it's patience. I disagree. You do? Tell me. I do. Okay. Do you garden? No, because I, I mean, I've tried. <laughs> <laughs> hasn't worked out so well for me. <laughs> so that's, maybe that's why I said that. I think that it's mostly it's patience. Mm. And I think it's finding the stuff that interests you. And I'll take, for example, like me versus my mother. My mother has no patience. She's not like processes driven. And so she saw me last year planting all my seeds in February and, you know, watering them. And finally, like three months later, bringing them out to plant in. And she was like, God, what, like, go to Lowe's, go, what are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. 
but now I involved her and she's kind of gotten into it and she's found like, you know, she's not going deep in, but she's like borrowed a few of my gardening books. And now she's like going to plant a couple of seeds to get started. And I think that there's just a matter of like finding your connection to it and not feeling pressure to do a whole bunch of stuff at once or to like have any sort of good outcome. Cause kind of part of it is that sometimes you plant a bunch of radishes and you go to pull one up and there's like, there's nothing at the end of what you pulled. Yeah. But that's the humor in it. And it's so essential. Like it, it just happens to everyone and it happens all the time. And I think having that relationship with failure and like not fearing it and appreciating it and laughing with it. Yeah. I think it's good for everyone, but I don't know, maybe, you know, maybe there are other things that achieve that too, that I wouldn't like to do. Well, I have to say you're selling me on it. I think maybe you should write a book on this. Um, <laughs> That's my lifetime aspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like your take on it, which is also a metaphor for life. Or yeah. as you said, starting a business where, you know, you're planting the seeds. Mm-hmm. It's not all going to grow at once. Mm-hmm. And you cultivate it, put love into it. I also like how you said, and and you did this with gold too, and you just mentioned this with gardening, start with one thing. Yeah. Because perhaps that's been my thing in the past where I like, in my mind, I've imagined like this huge garden and I'll, pa- <laughs> I'll plant all kinds of things and then they all die. But maybe yeah. if I started with one... I don't know, basil plant or something like that. And then, <laughs> yeah. And if it dies, that's okay. You know, and there's this sense of like, and it failed and therefore I must stop, you know, versus it failed. And therefore like, I'm eager to figure out what I have to do differently or like see what happens if I try this. And I think that's a cultural thing though. Our relationship with failure, I think is a little bit skewed and it starts from school age. I have memories, like you get that bad grade back on a test and your stomach just drops and like you you know it's this thing where like if your grades are bad they're going to call your parents they're very disappointed in you like it's a bad thing like you shouldn't have failed yeah and I think we then just naturally we really want to avoid it we're ashamed of it it's something that shouldn't have happened instead of accepting it as just something that happens all the time and something that like it allows you to learn. If you went through your whole life with a green thumb and you made millions of dollars wherever you went and you know, you never had a bad interaction with a person, you would have no learnings about how to do any of those things. You just would have been lucky. Yeah. So I do feel like there's something deeper there around reassessing, getting comfortable with failures. I totally agree. And is that something that your mom talked to you about as you were growing up? Or is that something you sort of figured out just by being you and just trying things? Well, I think that I have always put a lot of pressure on myself and been very uncomfortable with failure. And I think that entrepreneurship was like, it forces you out of that habit because you won't survive. You and your business will not survive if you have that perspective of perfectionism. And so that was something that I had to kind of learn the hard way to let go of because it wasn't serving me. So I think some of those lessons are just kind of learned on the job. Yeah. So two other questions I wanted to ask you. One thing that we talk about in Hunker is how our homes help to tell the story of who we are. And often our homes reflect our identities. Now, I know you're new to your home. Mm -hmm. 
Do you feel like if someone walked into your home right now or saw your home, not just walked in, if someone saw your home, would they be able to describe the person, you or the people that live there? I think that they would have a sense. I think they would also describe us as having recently moved. (laughs) (laughs) How do you think they would describe the people living there? Um, I think that they would describe us as peaceful, loving to cook, loving to spend quality. I'm just looking around. I'm seeing like loving to spend quality time together. So much of our home is, is kind of built around, you know, this kind of hearth of, of the kitchen, or we've got like our, our record player in another room where, you know, we'll just like sit and, and listen to our favorite albums. And there are a lot of plants. A lot of plants. So, Ooh. I think yeah. That would get uh, picked up on pretty quickly. Uh-huh. <laughs> plant lovers. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite plant? Ooh, I'm looking around now because we have some newcomers. There is a plant upstairs. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry, I don't know what it's called, but we got it recently. You know, you buy house plants and my strategy is you buy like six or seven and you find the three or four that thrive in your space Mm -hmm. because you don't, you know. And we've found one or two that are upstairs now that are just, I love to see like the little like, little babies coming out and, yeah. you know, like the new leaves and everything yeah. and in spite of the fact that we've got them in these kind of like shady spots and like the house is cold. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I, it's, you know, I think now is a great time to buy if you live in the Northeast or whatever, like I, I think it's a great time to buy house plants because you can test them in the worst scenario of like the drafty mm. window, the light is low and then, you know, they'll be just fine in the summer. I like finding those hardy houseplants yes. myself. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I have one more question for you. Mm-hmm. Our podcast is called Being Home with Hunker. And you touched upon a little bit of, about the being home, but I wanted to know what does being home mean to you? Oh, I was just thinking about this the other day, actually. I think it's about comfort. And I think that could be in the form of literally being home. I think that can be in the form of being around the people that feel like home. But I mean, man, is there any better feeling than being away from home and coming back like that first moment? Mm-hmm. I could sit in that all day. So I, I think that's kind of what it means to me. Ah, sounds so nice. <laughs> Trinity, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, honestly. And, and thank you, everyone who's, who's listening. This was so lovely and really appreciate it. It was such a pleasure for me, too. We will keep an eye on everything you're doing. Yes. Thank you, Trinity. To learn more about Trinity, find her on Instagram at Trinity Muzin or check out Gold on Instagram at Gold. That's Gold with an E at the end. Or head over to their website, gold.co, where you can find all their products such as latte blends, face masks, and smoothie boosters. Be sure to visit our show notes for direct links to where you can discover everything that's going on with Trinity Muzin Wolford. Thank you for listening to Being Home with Hunker. For more information about this episode or others, visit hunker.com forward slash podcast. And if you don't already, please follow our show. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review and share it with your friends. It really does help. Being Home with Hunker is produced by me, Lori Gunning Grossman. Eve Epstein is our executive producer. The podcast is recorded and mixed at Night Shift Audio. Theme music by Jonathan Grossman. Special thanks to our team at Hunker, Senior Designer Maury Men, and Director of Audience Development Gina Goff. 
Hunker's mission is to inspire and empower you to create a space that expresses who you are, shows off your unique style, and makes your life happier and more productive.